You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 173. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, I have never, ever tried on a coonskin cap. But I think that if I did, I would find this is itchy. And also, I don't look near as good as I imagine Davy Crockett did in this hat. That's probably true. You had never tried on a coonskin hat before? I don't think so. That's so weird. That's something I didn't know about you. Do you know that to be untrue or something? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen pictures. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, just Google it and hit the images tab and you will see. No. No, that's something I didn't know about you. How about that? Jason, I I feel like I'm not in the minority on that though. Like you seem surprised, but I feel like that's <laughs> that's probably more common than people who have tried on a coonskin cap. I mean, I live in Kentucky, so it's kind of oh, what yeah. you do. That's true. <laughs> okay, you got me there. Let's talk about Davy Crockett for a minute, Jason, cuz He's one of those guys that kind of has this folklore built around him, and hey, maybe it's some of it's true, maybe some of it's not. But really, he was a uh, a politician first before he really became any anything else. Yeah, and his life is really interesting from the get go. I mean, he's born in that crazy area that we've talked about before in what is now East Tennessee, that was actually called the state of Franklin. If you don't remember that, well, look it up because it's kind of an interesting story. If you're interested in hearing what could have been the 14th state, some people in Western North Carolina, which is not the Western North Carolina you know and love right now. It's more like East Tennessee. They decided, hey, let's start a state and call it state of Franklin. It was in that time where the people who lived in this part of North Carolina were trying to found a new state, the state of Franklin. And that's where his parents, John and Rebecca, decided, hey, we've got another boy, and it's David. Let's call him David. That sounds like a good (laughs) name. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, it's grandpa's name, so might as well. Might as well do do what you know seems natural and just make it a family name. So, growing up, they moved around a little bit, and at one point, a flood destroys their home. So they, you know, move around a little bit more, and his parents declare bankruptcy, and it, there's a lot of 
kind of crazy stuff happening in his early life that probably isn't directly influential in his story, but it's uh, interesting to know because it seems like so many historical figures we talk about of this time period, it's like they grew up in, were born in the same building and never left until they became the president. And that just wasn't uh, Davy Crockett's experience. Um, when he was 12 years old, his father actually basically put him into slavery. Not not really slavery, but he, quote, indentured him uh, to a man named Jacob Seiler. And uh, this is because the Crockett family was poor. Uh, they didn't have any money. They were in a bunch of debt. So he helped, um, helped them get out by working. Yeah. And so... David helped tend uh, Siler's cattle, and uh, he was on this 400-mile trip uh, to near Natural Bridge, Virginia, and he was pretty well-treated, but he's there in Virginia. He's like, I want to go home. So he goes back home, and his dad enrolls Davy, and I'm going to start calling him Davy. Yeah, I think that's I hope appropriate. Okay. So Davey and a couple of his other brothers decide, hey, let's go to school. Davey plays hooky from school after getting into a little bit of a tiff with another student. And John was not very happy with Davey. And so he tried to whip him and Davey ran away. So he dry, he joins a cattle drive to Front Royal, Virginia, and at the end of that trip, he joins a teamster who is named Adam Myers on a trip to Gerardstown, West Virginia, and in that time, he goes to work for another farmer. And just so nobody gets upset, this wasn't West Virginia, like, it's West Virginia now, but... It was Virginia back then. So just yeah, to clarify yeah. that. So after <laughs> uh, after some time, he goes to Christiansburg, Virginia, and he apprentices there. And in 1802, he walks back to dad's house in Tennessee. Yeah, that's a probably a long walk there. So yeah. his father is, well, he's still in debt to a man named Abraham Wilson, and he's in debt there for $36, which now doesn't seem too bad, but it was actually equivalent to about $603, which, hey, it can still be a lot worse, right? But that's a lot of money, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And so again, he gets back, and his dad's like, hey, Davey, good to see you. Hey, I'm going to um, do that whole indenturing thing to you again and have you pay off the debt to, to Abraham Wilson here. So Davy works off this debt. He works off another debt to a man. He works off another debt to a man named John Kennedy. And that was for $40, which would have been about $650, $675 now. So he gets done and all of a sudden John's like, well, Hey son, um, you're good to leave. You can go. Uh, I don't need you anymore. I guess I guess that's good since I've had you off working to pay my debts for so long. And uh, Davey goes back to work for uh, Kennedy for about four more years before he falls in love with his niece. 
Yeah, and so her name was Amy Summer. Guess what, though? She was engaged to Kennedy's son, and, you know, he serves in the wedding party. Davy does, because that's... It just makes a good love story, right? Because he meets Margaret Elder, and he's like, Hey, Margaret, you look nice. You seem like a someone who I could spend the rest of my life with, so... He persuades her to marry him, and there's a marriage contract drawn up. And during this time, Margaret's like, there's this other guy who has asked me to marry him, and I'm going to hook up with him instead. (laughs) That seems to be very sad for our friend Davy. But soon after that, he meets Polly Finley and her mother, Jean at a festival and things seem to be going pretty well but Davy falls out of favor uh, with Jean and she's like nope I don't think so and Davy's like I don't think so to your I don't think so I'm gonna marry (laughs) Polly and he decides to get a justice of the peace, which everybody should just get a JP because it's a lot cheaper. Uh, He gets a JP to take care of the marriage. And on August 12th, 1806, he goes over to Polly's house and decides that he's going to ride off with her and get married. And her dad is like, no, please don't go have the wedding here and Crockett is like okay I'm Davy Crockett I will marry your daughter here at your house but Jean needs to apologize I guess she ends up apologizing apparently yeah that's the moral of the story here if your mother-in-law doesn't like you run away with her daughter that makes everything better I think that's a good Uh, idea (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So after they get married, they settle down on some land near her parents, and they have their first child, John Wesley Crockett, who later becomes a congressman of the United States. And they have a couple other children, and they move around a little bit more. And in uh, 1815, Polly passes away. And Davy says to his brother John and John's wife, hey, guys i need a little help we have all these kids and i need some help uh caring for them so they agree and they do and then he's like you know what it's nice to have somebody here taking care of the kids but i also would like to have a wife again so he marries that same year uh elizabeth Patton, and uh she has a couple children as well so it becomes an even bigger 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 family yeah So let's back up a little bit because we're talking about Davy Crockett and, you know, Ben, you already talked about the coonskin hat and there's got to be a musket associated uh, with our buddy. So, and I I would like to think that he'd be our buddy. So I say that not disparagingly because when somebody says, hey, buddy, that, that seems. Makes you want to hit him. Yeah, it kind of does. But anyway, our friend, how about that? Our friend, Davy Crockett, uh, way back in 1802, 
Andy Jack. You remember him. Mm-hmm. He is appointed the major general of the Tennessee militia. And some of us will remember hearing about the Fort Mims massacre, which happened in uh, the Mississippi Territory in 1813. Uh, this became a rallying cry for war with the Creek uh, Indians. And in September of 1813, Davy leaves his family and enlists as a scout. Uh, Just a 90-day term to get out there and see what's going on and, you know, take care of business. And uh, Davy goes out and he hunts wild game for the soldiers and He's like, you know what? I don't really feel like firing on these Native Americans. Let me let me shoot animals instead. So he does that until December. So the War of eighteen twelve is also being fought at the same time as this the war with the uh, the Creek, and you know the Treaty of Fort Jackson happens in eighteen fourteen, and Andy Jack, who is uh, pretty much desiring that the the British folk get out uh, of uh, Spanish Florida, says, hey, Tennessee militia, I could use a little help. And Davy Crockett hears the call and re-enlists for a six-month term with the Tennessee Mounted Gunmen. And uh, they were only a few days behind the rest of the troops, but really they don't see much action during that. And their biggest job was foraging for food, which, of course... Davey already had some experience doing and actually kind of preferred it as well. So he uh, was still considered a reserve at that point after he was um, able to go back home. But he was like, you know what? I don't really want to be on the hook for this. So he hires uh, some young guy to fill the rest of his term. So uh, he basically took a note from daddy and hired somebody else to take care of his debt, I guess you could say. Um, (laughs) In 1817, they they moved around again, and he's like, you know what? I think it's time for me to get into public office. Seems like a great idea. He becomes a commissioner and starts helping the the county figure out the boundaries because, of course, this is a new county, and we got to figure out what territory is ours. Yeah, Ben, isn't it just crazy when you think, just backing up a little bit, about hiring somebody to fulfill the rest of the time that you're supposed to serve in the military. I mean, when did that practice stop? I'll have to look that up at some point, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine like being like, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have signed up for this gig. <laughs> um, hmm, I got some or money. If you, if you wanted to do it like in the middle of, um, in the middle of battle, like, Hey, I'm going to call somebody else in and yeah. you know, the wage, the wage varies depending on how dangerous the situation is. I know. I've got five Benjamins right here who wants them. <laughs> and person takes them. Yeah, it just doesn't, I yeah. don't know. Just goes against my sensibilities, I guess. Anyway, back to his political career. He uh, becomes the county justice of the peace. He's elected lieutenant colonel of the 57th Regiment of the Tennessee Militia. And by the time 1819 rolls around, he's thinking, you know what? I've had it with the whole being justice of the peace thing. After all, you got a lot of young people who are trying to do the same very thing I tried to do years ago and 
run off and marry. I'm done with that. I want to go back into the militia. So he serves there. And then in 1821, he runs for a seat in the Tennessee General Assembly. And it was in this particular election in 1821 where Davy really refines his speech skills. And so, of course, he wins, right? And he is uh, appointed to the Committee of Propositions and Grievances, which is kind of an awesome name for a committee. And... (laughs) And he was all about easing the tax burden on the poor. And he spent a lot of time uh, while in office fighting for the rights of uh, settlers who were very poor and who were really on the brink. And there were many people like this who were about to get their land grants taken away from them, uh, surely because they just didn't have money. And he supported in 1821 William Carroll to run for governor against Andy Jack's endorsed candidate named Edward Ward. And this didn't bode well for Davy. (laughs) So uh, after Davy gets into office in 1821, he gets elected to the General Assembly. There is a flood on the Tennessee River, and it actually takes out all of his businesses. So uh, Elizabeth's father, Robert Patton, he says, hey, I've got all this land. You know what? Um, Davy, go ahead and take it. Here's 800 acres. And Davy says, okay, well, that's nice. I appreciate that. That's really helpful for you. Hey, who wants to buy this land? I've got some debts to pay. And the little bit they have left, he moves his family uh, to and um, they settle again. So it's kind of a constant theme in Davy's life that he's moving around. And it's not going to stop here either. A couple years later, he runs against Andrew Jackson, Andy Jack's nephew-in-law, which is kind of a it's kind of a funny relation, nephew-in-law, yeah. William Edward Butler, to get a seat in the General Assembly representing a few different counties, including one he lived in. And so he serves in the first session and the second session. And all the while, he is, uh, you know, kind of being the advocate for poor folk, for poor farmers specifically. And uh, really, all throughout his legislative career, uh, he's trying to fight for the rights of people who are impoverished or people who, you know, settled somewhere thinking it was going to be great territory and great land. And it wasn't so much. So uh, he really is kind of the the little man's guy. Yeah, kind of interesting about Davy Crockett up to this point because this guy has Tennessee written all over him, right? I mean, he's bouncing all over the state. And meanwhile, you have Andy Jack, who also came from the East and you know it can be debated was he from north or south carolina but um he did migrate across the state and it's kind of a parallel and i didn't realize this it, it it's one of those things then that sometimes i lose sight of people who are contemporaries of each mm-hmm. other and this is one of those deals where i had no idea that andy jack 
and Davy Crockett. They were stepping all over each other. And um, sometimes it was bad. Sometimes it was good. We'll get into that in a few moments. But in 1824, Davy Crockett says, hey, people, I'm going to run for the U.S. House. And he loses. But the next year, he gets some encouragement from the mayor of Memphis to get back in the game. And he does. And um, his name was Marcus Brutus Winchester. How do you like that for a name? Uh, the, Mem- <laughs> the Memphis mayor uh, publishes a letter in September of 1826 saying, hey, this Davy Crockett guy, I'm, I'm throwing my support behind him. So he runs again. He runs on a platform that's pretty much on the same side as Andy Jack being opposed to some of the policies of, of John Quincy Adams, you remember him, the Q, uh, as well as others that were like-minded with him. Uh, but he wins. Uh, he gets in, and he arrives in Washington, D.C., and Andy Jack joins him in 1828 as the president, and they're running on parallel tracks, kind of the same parallel track that they were running in Tennessee they're doing in Washington. So Davy Crockett keeps getting elected, and he keeps beating this guy, Adam Rankin Alexander. I don't know why he even kept trying. It's Davy Crockett. Come on. And uh, <laughs> Davy Crockett is just like <laughs> making enemies and friends both left and right. Uh, at one point, he introduces a resolution to get rid of the military academy at West Point. And he's like, you know what? Uh, this is public money, and the only people who go in there are wealthy people already, so they don't need the money. Uh, he kind of gets irritated that Congress had given $100,000 to Stephen Decatur's widow, saying, hey, uh, that wasn't your money to do that with. He hates the Indian Removal Act, and therefore, you know, Andy Jack as well. And the Cherokee uh, really appreciate that. The chief actually sent him a letter at one point saying, hey, thanks for voting that way. So he wasn't really popular because of that vote specifically, uh, was actually the only one from Tennessee to vote against it, and loses the next election. He loses to a guy named William Fitzgerald, and uh, he waits you know, a few years, a couple years, and runs against him again. And of course he wins, because it's Davy Crockett, and what, what good would an episode be where the guy just keeps losing, right? I mean, that doesn't make much sense. Right. So in 1835, he is defeated by Adam Huntsman for re-election. And during the last term that Crockett served in Congress, he collaborates with a congressman from Kentucky named Thomas Chilton to write his autobiography, which, of course, as a member of the House, your life is so interesting that you're (laughs) going to have a book written about yourself. And uh, he did. It was called A Narrative of the Life of Davy Crockett, written by himself. Go figure. So part of the reason for that was because there was a play uh, that had um, been touring around a couple of years earlier, where there was a character that wasn't named Davy Crockett, but everybody knew that this character was Davy Crockett. And Crockett really wanted to set the record straight about it. 
So anyway, after being defeated in 1835, he feels kind of bad, as you would probably too if you didn't win re-election. And he was hanging out in Memphis on his way to Texas, and he said, quote, I told the people of my district that I would serve them as faithfully as I have done, but if not, they might go to not heaven, and I would go to Texas. And so that's exactly what he does. In December of 1834, Crockett was uh, writing to some friends about moving to Texas. If uh, Andy Jack's um, successor, Marty Van Buren, was elected president, and that's exactly what happened. So all my exes live in Tennessee, so I'm moving to Texas. <laughs> little opposite of the song there. Yeah, just a little bit. So after Marty gets elected, he's like, okay, I'm going to move right now. But he has to end up staying uh, for a little while, uh, through October actually, because his father-in-law had passed away and he was the co-executor of that estate. And so he finally does leave. And this is possibly one of the places where the idea of the coonskin cap comes from with Davy Crockett. I mean, I'm sure he wore it more times than just this, but uh, one of the times where we know he was because his youngest child, Matilda, uh, she writes at one point about the last time she ever saw her father was when he was leaving to go to Texas. And she said he was dressed in his hunting suit, wearing a coonskin cap, and he carried a fine rifle presented to him by friends in Philadelphia. He seemed very confident the morning he went away that he would soon have us all to join him in Texas. Well, that's not quite what happened. He travels to Jackson, and they get there, and they're, you know he's got 30 armed men with him. He's given speeches. He's riding along further. Uh, he's drawing crowds wherever he goes and wherever he's speaking. And uh, eventually, they get to Arkansas, Little Rock for that matter. And a bunch of people swarm into town to, you know, check out Davy Crockett and his coonskin cap. And <laughs> Davy is just, you know, all about Texas being independent. Uh, he's talking about his experiences with Washington politics and uh, just kind of having a good old time as he's on his way to the great state, or I guess not at the time, great state of Texas. Yeah, you need to say like Texas, but Texas. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> So Crockett arrives in Texas in uh, January of 1836, and he's not there very long before he and some 65 other guys sign an oath before the judge of the provisional government of Texas saying, I take the oath of government and have, quote, enrolled my name as a volunteer and will set out for the Rio Grande in a few days with volunteers from the United States. So what ends up happening is basically Davy Crockett says, I'm a Texan now. I'm I'm leaving the old country behind. Here I am. And on February the 8th, Crockett arrives at the Alamo. And we all know what happens um, on the 23rd of February and the following days where... Mexican soldiers initiate a siege 
on the Alamo. And uh, wouldn't you know it, that's the end of Davy Crockett's life. He was killed there at the Alamo. There's a lot of story and folklore about what actually happened. Um, some legends say that you know he died right there uh, in battle. Others say that it might have been a couple of days after um, the attack that Crockett um, was killed or maybe perhaps even executed. Um, but, yep, there are conflicting stories about that. Yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic and at the same time very climactic. Yeah. If you want a little more adventure added to your story, there's, you know, been like 4,000 movies made about D.B. Crockett. Um, you know, and the Alamo from 1960 with John Wayne. You know, you could never really go wrong with John Wayne, so check that one out. But anyway, you basically need to know that nobody right now is really exactly sure how and where he died, like Jason said, but we know he died at some point because of the yeah. attack on the Alamo. You know, I can't help but think, Ben, and I don't know if you can remember this, but whenever I hear the Alamo, uh-huh. I think of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh-huh. And how his bike was supposed to be at the basement of the Alamo, and I just I just remember Jan Hooks. She was you know the comedian, and she told Pee Wee, "There's no basement at the Alamo," <laughs> and I, it's terrible. But that's what I think of. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think that's anything at all like it. But that works. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I can only ever hear that song. Uh, I forget which wh- where it was, which movie it was in. But Davy, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. You know, it's it's a longer song than that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's all when I hear Davy Crockett. Like I can't hear it without thinking of that song. Yeah, yeah. And you just think he walked the halls of the U.S. House of Representatives. He was there. Yeah. You know, um Oh, you know one thing we forgot to mention, Ben. Uh-huh. The assassination attempt on Andy Jack. I was just literally going to say that after you said about uh, that. <laughs> it, that's the only reason I remember that they are um contemporaries is because he was there. So for those of you who don't know the story about the assassination attempt on Andy Jack, it happened in January of 1835. You got this crazy guy whose name was Richard Lawrence, and he decides that he wants to kill the president. And Jackson was attending the funeral of South Carolina Congressman Warren R. Davis at the Capitol. And Lawrence was like, I am going to shoot Jackson as he enters the service, but he couldn't get close enough. So Jackson is leaving the funeral And Lawrence finds a space near a pillar on the east portico. And as Jackson walks by, Lawrence steps out, fires his first pistol. It misfires. He fires his second pistol, and it misfires. And what happens when you try to mess with Andy Jack? You're going to get beaten with a cane. Repeatedly. Yes. (laughs) So uh, all the people who were there, including Davy Crockett intervene and wrestle Lawrence to the ground. 
I don't think he was wearing a coonskin hat, but I like to think that he was. Sounds tough either way, so that's good. Yeah. Man, Andy Jack and Davy Crockett on the same side. You don't want to mess with that. <laughs> they both got mean faces, so, you know, that's enough right there. Yeah. Tell me to stay away. If you want to, uh, you know, hear me sing more renditions of Davy Crockett, you can do that by going over to Patreon, which, by the way, I, there, as of right now, there are no renditions of me singing Davy Crockett, so well, I guess we'll see how that goes. But uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash electioncollege or electioncollege.com slash Patreon, it's a link in the show notes. You'll find it. You can support us there for as little as 11 cents per episode. Um, it adds up to about a dollar a month. We bring you a bunch of episodes every single month, two a week, in fact. And uh, if you, you know, we're happy to keep giving you the show for free. But if you're thinking, you know what, Jason and Ben, thanks. Here's a buck. Here's three bucks. Whatever. Uh, that's a great place for you to do that. We would really appreciate that. Again, links in the show notes. Check us out on Patreon. And you know what else helps us out a great deal is when you head over to iTunes and hit that little subscribe button. It helps get the podcast in front of more amazing people just like you. And speaking of iTunes, you can leave us a rating and review. A Happy Dance is done by yours truly and his co-host. Every time that happens, yeah, that, that is you. Mm-hmm. Head over to iTunes or use our link, electioncollege.com slash iTunes or slash review or slash there aren't any other slashes no you can also interact with us on facebook twitter and instagram at election college thanks everybody talk to you next time When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.